1: And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're talking to a tech leader who jumped industries from oil and gas to one where you're selling fashion on the high street, making this quite large switch because of the leadership team he was going to be joining. In his own words, good relationships, trust, and a collaborative space to work in. So who's our guest? It's Ed Alford the now CTO at New Look, who joins us to discuss his passion for good and great leadership. One where people get the best out of themselves to give the best to the company and the teams that they're working with. We covered several topics. The ones that really stood out for me in this podcast were as follows. Number one, as leaders, we are not in charge of people. We have people in our charge. A subtle shift in words words creates a very, very human-centric perspective, which I personally love. Number two, to create environments that allow people to have the confidence to express themselves, to allow people to bring their real selves to the space and bring that diversity of thinking and new perspectives. Thirdly and finally, we covered the concept of true feelings and finite games, and that much of the work we do never really ends. It's an infinite game, and seeing it this way allows us to stay agile and adapt to the reality of the ever-changing world that surrounds us. Oh, I have to also mention a statement that Ed had picked up in his leadership journey. Every problem can be solved with a good conversation. Love it. And speaking of which, let's listen to the conversation with Ed. So let's not delay. Let's get Ed into the space to share his enlightening stories and knowledge. Welcome, Ed. Welcome to CTO Confessions Podcast.
0: Thanks very much, TC. It's great to be here.
1: Brilliant. So, Ed, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And who do you work for?
0: So, thanks, TC. I, um, my name's Ed Alford. I am the current Chief Technology Officer of Newlook. I uh, started the job about a year ago. Uh, prior to that, I spent 18 years uh, working for BP in a number of different kind of CIO technology-type wow. roles. Um, everything from being the CIO to, of the global retail business to um, running all of the SAP uh, for the group, the enterprise systems. Prior to that, I started up, uh, was part of a small team um, who started up a couple of companies in America during the dot-com boom. And then prior to that, I worked for Anderson Consulting. Um, so really from about uh, 1993, started working in the oil and gas and the energy industry. Um, And only really left the oil and gas industry in 2020. Wow. Um, Then took a a year off, which was great. I had a a nine months garden leave, which was some of the best time ever. Um, And had a bit of a break and and really uh, that was during the pandemic. So I had the luxury of not having to revert to teams. I actually spent a lot of time on the outdoors. And then in 2021, decided to just come back and join the New Look adventure. Wow, and it's quite a shift. I had a conversation with the leadership team uh, here at New Look, and you know, people say, people say, why do you, um, why do you, why did you join a retailer? You know, that seems like why did you go from this big organisation to? And I don't think about it like that actually. Um, uh, I, you know, I really liked the people who I met in the leadership team and the the opportunity was to join that leadership team and work with them Mm. to take new look um to be the best omni-channel experience and business for our customers Um, i spoke to ceo the chief customer officer chief commercial officer and the chief financial officer and you know i really liked them um and felt that i could uh, have good relationships trust, collaboration, really small-knit team to, to, to move the business forward. Felt that what we were trying to do was achievable because, because of the individuals and the characters and felt that I could fit well inside of that team yeah. um, and help lead the organization through a complete technology refresh uh, to help uh, the organization be the leading omni-channel retailer and you know take forward the vision that Um, Nigel and Claire and Helen and Rich had around being completely customer obsessed but wanting to create that customer experience and um, a technology be a technology organization rather than just a kind of bricks and mortar retailer yes so we could create so we could create the you know the same customer experience in your house as you have inside a uh, an omni-channel hub we'll call it Um, yeah is we've kind of started talking about them as hubs because we're going to use them for more than just stores um and try and create you know a fantastic customer experience i love so, it so you know it was it was an opportunity to be part of that business um not just be an i.t delivery person um mm. which you can do but just to be part of the business be part of a vision and as i say the main thing was i really liked the people i was going to be working with
1: i love that I love that resonance, uh, you know, meeting people and feeling that you can kind of work together. So coming back then, you know, to uh, New Look and the kind of technology kind of, you put an interesting perspective on that. It's not just about delivering IT, it's about creating a business solution that's going to enhance the organization. And and I love this idea of kind of creating hubs. Um, h- how far are you with that project at the
0: moment? So it's kind of about a three year journey. Um... The first thing that first thing that I did was is if we you know and you know in, in BP we thought about this too. If you want to create, um, if you want your customers to experience technology, and love the experience that they have, whether that be through e-commerce or through uh, the app or through their experience in in the hubs, um, you need to make sure that the organisation that has to create that product has to create that experience has to you you need to make sure that they've got the right tech as well yes so one of the first things was actually making sure that everybody in the kind of new look support centers and also out in the in the stores had the right tech for collaboration for um you know it just works right Mm -hmm. i mean people have technology at home and it just works Yes. And then people who are in the in the office space need to have the same thing. So one of the things that we did, um, I looked at, you know, we're using really old kit. We weren't on Office 365. We weren't using Teams probably. Um, you know, we'd done bits of it, but actually to roll that out and kind of transform the workplace so that people have an experience that they enjoy using technology. If people mm-hmm. who are working here enjoy using technology, then our customers are going to enjoy the technology that we build for them.
1: Absolutely. So,
0: So that was the very first thing that we did in the first two or three months. Um, In terms of what we're doing, we're doing complete refresh from the ground up in terms of networks, um, point-of-sale systems uh, in the store, re-architecting the the web and the app to be more kind of microservice API-based. I have technology so that we can respond quickly to our customers, so that we're, you know, we we can see the changes and trends and actually look at a piece of tech and actually plug that tech in and do that in the space of two months, six weeks, mm. three weeks, whatever it might be, rather than it's a project and yes, need to do something. So we're re-architecting and re-platforming that. We're putting in play um, new order management system, which will help kind of join the channels um, and help us on that journey to be a, a true omni-channel retailer. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, it, it's also about embracing the cloud, moving more to using the cloud-based technology. So we're looking at how we take all of the data in New Look and all of the different places that it sits and bring it all into one place yeah. to try and join the organization up through data. Wow. Um, each each bits of the organization use their data to drive their bits of business. Now we wanna bring it all into the one place and um, yeah. we're gonna use, uh, you know we're, we're working with partners on that as well and Microsoft uh, to look at what that would mean. Um, you know, we've we've also engaged other folks because we work very closely with Google as well uh, in the marketing side of things and on the SEO side. So we've talked to them about what that means as well for for our products. So you know, it's 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 an exciting time. Um, I think that you know we've got great uh, investors and a great board who give us the backing to to do go along that technology journey.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and, you know, it, it's uh, we want to build our own capability uh, as well. So that's, you know, have a good core team that understands good engineering principles around cloud technologies, microservices, APIs, um, and make sure that, you know, we have a capability that enduring will mean that, you know, the, the digital product side of things and the engineering side of things as we've set them up work hand in hand. Yeah. Um, there's no There's no kind of holy war as to who owns digital in New Look. We all own digital. Um, It's everybody's role to think about it and and come up with ideas. And it's about getting the right people in the right squads to kind of drive that forward. I love it. You kind of mentioned this kind of omni-channel term quite a few times.
1: And what I envisage there is is that uh, these things have been working very separately in the past. And what you're trying to do is now align them so that they kind of work interactively,
0: I guess, seamlessly. Well, it's kind of turning on its head a little bit. I think retailers have always been kind of customer obsessed um, and and want to do the right thing. The way that uh, that kind of in the last 10 years has evolved is is you have e-commerce and you have uh, bricks and mortar. Yes. And actually what it's about is is that actually joining those channels and thinking about how the customer engages both those channels, whether they use our platforms on e-commerce, app and mm. whether they use our they walk into our hubs. And then you know one of the things that I want us to do is actually, you know, people's mobile phones are an integral part of their, mm. I would say, their body now. You see people walk down the street and they're they're attached to their phone. Yes, but um I mean. but <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is people do a lot of things through their phone. So I would like people when they come into our hubs to use um the, the mobile phone almost as a remote control inside the store. So you know if they're they're inside that environment how do they use their phone if their products not available there they go on they engage with the the, the folks that are in there or are, 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 are employees they're both looking at the app they're ordering a product um and that product then gets to either delivered to the house or they can click and collect it from the store um you know and just kind of start merging the experiences so that they are completely joined up i think that you know i think organizations need to embrace everybody thinking about technology not mm. just the technology folks and coming with ideas and and, and leveraging the, the the power of the organization to get the best out of it. Absolutely. So I think that but given the putting the right environment in play around the tech, whether it be in the hubs, whether it be the platforms and the e com and the app, whether it be in the design and the buying, whatever it might be, it's bringing the organization together to start thinking as one yeah. um, you know ecosystem, if you will. Uh, about how we serve our customer.
1: It sounds really exciting, and I'm really
0: looking forward to seeing that.
1: My daughter is a big fan of New Look, and so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of. I've told her that I'm having an interview with the CTO of, the, of that of the same company, and uh, she was really excited to kind of hear about some of this stuff. So I look forward to this.
0: um Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, TC, the the, the biggest. Um, I was uh, I was laughing about the fact that you know sometimes they talk about imposter syndrome. Um, and i was saying to somebody uh, i was at a, an every woman event uh I've worked pretty closely with max and karen over the years i said look you know being the cto of a women's fashion brand i've kind of got a wee bit of imposter syndrome myself <laughs> right actually all of the inspiration i get is from my 16 year old daughter and also a lot of the folks who work here um yes. versus i'm coming up with the ideas um and so you know i know how to get things done and i know how to drive things in a, a particular way that that, that makes it happen yeah. um but actually the the inspiration and the ideas and the creation the creativity comes from all of the folks in the digital product team all of the folks in the buying team you know people who you in, engage with out, in, in the outdoors right your your family your friends who tell you all about what the what the things they like what they don't like yes so actually it's a it's a great um a great role to have because you get immediate feedback all the time and great credit to you there ed I,
1: I think that's the sign of a great leader a really good leader is one that is willing to kind of hear you know uh, what other, uh, getting the feedback from the system you know the kind of external yeah. voices to to uh, see which way is the best way to go which which actually kind of brings me on to a question around your kind self you know putting the spotlight on you on you what's your passion what kind of drives you in your work and your leadership
0: there's lots of great training that I did at BP, and uh, you know, was given exposure to some great coaches, um, people like Jim McNeish and and, and Bill Isaacs, and all of that sort of stuff happened in my thirties and kind of early forties. Around maybe seeing the world a bit differently. Um, it's it, it it's not all about you know. Deadlines and deliverables and you know plans and you know KPIs and you know all of those things uh, you know which during the nineties I guess you know you're, you're walking through walls you'd work you know you know you know twenty four hour shifts for like three days on the trot right to get something over the line to do things mm. which don't get me wrong those were fun times um, but I guess the the thing for me of what I learned was, is that I I think, you know, for the most part, everybody comes to work to do a good job. And I genuinely believe that. Um, and I, and the thing that that drives me is, is that I want everybody who works in, you know, in and around me, um, you know, in the last 20 years to enjoy doing what they do, um, to go home at night and not be stressed um and to you know want to come to work in the morning to do exciting challenging things brilliant Brilliant. um it's i don't think it's any any more complex than that i mean it's uh it's probably not the greatest purpose and vision mission statement um but I, i like to my passion is to create an environment that people enjoy being in that environment um they can you know work with each other they can socialize with each other and they they generally feel that they've done a good job and um and they feel like you know they, they aren't in a stressed environment that they can go home with their families at night and enjoy themselves
1: i love it that's a great purpose i think that's a wonderful purpose and hopefully more leaders think this way uh, because it's the impact that we have on the world and the communities around us you know directly you know creating these environments so the question to you then Edges, is, is that is this something that you've always had as part of your kind of, uh, is it like a scene that runs through you, or is it something that you've learned as you've gone along through your leadership journey? I think
0: definitely something I've learned. Um, definitely something I've learned around, um, you know, I guess, creating an environment for success, um, looking at, um, we'll call it systems. Of, of how things and structures, are maybe set up, that don't get the best out of people. Yes. Um, and so I did a, I did a, you know, I did a lot of kind of syst- We'll call it systems thinking. Not systems, as in living systems thinking. Mm. Back in the early two thousands, again BP afforded me some great training, um, and started looking at systems and. and you know, how do you set the system up for success? Um, and that largely then is about people and, and kind of setting that up for success. And actually what you learn is is that a lot of that is really, is, you know, to lead those uh, teams, you get great um, fun in seeing people being successful. You know, I, yeah. I think that um, somebody told me once, uh, which I think was, <laughs> it's like, um, right, just so as you know it sort of went along the lines of just so as you know you're just about to get promoted in this leadership position. It's a it, it's pretty lonely place by the way, because here's what it is. When someone goes wrong, it's all about you. and when it really goes well, it's about everybody else, it's not about you. Oh wow. And, um, and that was like, all right, okay, that's cool. And then they said, "Are you still okay with getting promoted?" <laughs> and so, yeah. And so, at, at kind of thirty-seven years old, you're like, okay, "Okay, you know, I'm just getting a pep talk here." But actually, it was very true and very, um, uh, you know, the guy that the guy that told me that was a guy called Ronnie Forbes, and in uh, BP, great guy, and uh, and he and he had that chat with me, and he said, you know just watch what you're going into. and But what it did do for me was, was actually it then takes the pressure off because actually then it's, it's not about you. Mm. Actually, it's about it's about if you're going to lead big teams, there's no way you can do it all yourself. So it's all about creating the environment for everybody else. That's um, right. And I think, I can't remember who it was that, that said it. Um can't remember that. I, I read and I hear certain things and they stick and they stick in my head. But I, I can't remember who said it about Something like, um, when you you go into a leadership position, um, you are not in charge of the people. You have people in your charge, which means that you need to take care of them. And um, so you're not in charge of people, you have people in your charge. So it's your accountability and responsibility to take care of those people. Yeah um and I I kind of joined the dots between what Ronnie had said and mm. um what well, I I can't remember who said that. It might have been Simon Sinek I think it might mm. be. But anyway, I I kind of joined the dots between those two phrases um and actually, you know, I look at the uh the England women's uh, football team and you know, and, and all kind of sports teams whereby the the manager I think one of the ladies said um, you know, what was it about the the manager of said, you know, she gives us so much confidence in ourselves and she just allows us to go out and express ourselves freely. Love it. And, you know, I thought I was great actually. And, uh, you know, a lot of great sports leaders, sports leaders, managers, coaches, people in business. I think that's what they do. I think they give their people confidence in themselves and um, empower them and then allow them to go and express themselves. Love it. Um, that's, that's great. And and I think, uh, you know, you see, you know, how much kind of joy a manager has as well as the players do. And I think that's the same thing. Although you, again, as Ronnie said, you're not getting the credit. Everybody else gets it. You can take your own personal satisfaction from it because you celebrate in the success. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. You don't. You don't need to claim the success. Yes. But you. You get to celebrate in it, and that's even more fun. I think it's a, it sounds very noble to be able to do that. I think you get more. Um, uh, it feels so much better to be part of the success rather than say you. You were the success. I think. Yeah. As, as humans, we enjoy the collective and uh, you know being in groups where you have good fun you know
1: and, and you we, we had to, we had some kind of uh, brief discussions around um leadership in general and, and uh, you know and this is kind of obvious we state obvious obviously but the impact that leadership has on organizations on our communities on wider things you know because leadership is just um it's not always uh conducted in the kind of the best noble way and the most impactful way and we had a discussion around selfless leadership you know um would you you like to speak to that because i thought you had some really interesting points on that
0: leadership is not associated with authority i think there's um folks at every level who are leaders um in new look or in bp uh and I i don't think that i don't think the two are linked Mm. um and i think that um you know what it, what it's kind of about is is making sure that um i think people come up with this term selfless leadership but actually let's take the term to once move the term to one side i think that if you if you look at if you look at the past and and you know leaders of the past and, and military and stuff people kind of lead from led from the front, they get involved. Mm. They take care of the person on the left, take care of the person on the right. They look to make sure that everyone everyone who goes in and everyone comes out um, in safe and in one, in one piece. And I think understanding your role about how you create an environment of um, where folks can be the best that they can be and that they know that you've well, certainly been fed back to me um, know that they know that you've got their back. If if something goes wrong, um, I think that's what kind of selfless leadership is. It's not to. Uh, that's what it means for me anyway. I, I guess yeah. I struggled to understand it myself as to what is it. What is it you actually do? What it means. Mm. I think one of my one of the guys used to work for me said, "Look, actually, more it's about. I know that you trust me to do what. I do. And by the way, this guy um, was one of the best." cloud engineers still is the best one of the best cloud engineers I think uh in this space a guy called Dave Richards but he kind of said and hopefully not embarrassing, but he said that um you know I know that you trust me to do my job I know that you know uh, that I've got the skills to do it and I always felt as if you had my back so that if anything did go wrong we could come and have a conversation and you would help mm-hmm. solve the problem or you would help kind of manage other folks so that the team could get on with maybe fixing it. Um, and also, you kind of give, uh, give the team's intent. So what, what's the intent that, that you want to pass? And I learned that there was, um, there was a, a submarine uh, commander, I think David Marquette, who has a book called Turn the Ship Around, but he talks about intent, mm. about how you as a leader can't be everything. And so what you have to do is the people on the submarine all have to be leaders and all have to they know more than you do there's no way you can know more than 400 people Mm. um and it's kind of recognizing that and so therefore getting the, the the power of the the 400 people to be able to deliver and so all you have to do is give them intent so i think you know um for me the kind of selfless leadership is about you know giving folks the space trusting in their abilities listening uh, communication isn't about speaking, it's about listening. Um I learned that as well. No um and then being part of let's whiteboard it and we'll talk about how we fix it. Yes.
1: Um
0: and then, you know, making sure that, you know, you give the air cover so that they 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 can get on with with doing the, the hard yards. I don't think that there can be an Oxford English dictionary definition of what selfless leadership means. I think yeah. it's different it depends on, but that's it, right but the main thing is about uh, giving giving the people trusting the people who work for you and trusting in their ability but always being there because everybody's human and things go wrong sometimes that's right yeah um i mean for me it's it's around uh, looking at the
1: bigger picture it's not about my career progression or my kind of um, how i've seen but about the outcomes that we create together which i think aligns with Uh, what you've kind of described there. It's creating the environment for success as a whole kind of thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And that means, again, listening. Um, You know, not doing things like I stand up and create a deadline that's completely, that I've pulled from somewhere that meets Ah, the needs of somebody above me and all of that kind of stuff. And everybody who works for me goes, we told you that was impossible. (laughs) Um,
1: Which which actually brings me to to, to a point that I think I want to cover, which is the, the gap in the truth ceiling.
0: Oh, I told you about the truth ceiling, didn't I? Um, yeah, we used to talk about the truth ceiling, which is, um, you know, you make statements around, and again, I think it's James Carsey and Simon Sinek talk about this, and I think it's James Carsey, he wrote a book called Infinite and Finite Games, and then simon Sinek talks about the infinite game and i think that sometimes what i've seen and the learning there is is that people create rods for their own back so they make a (laughs) statement about what's going to be done by a particular day without without listening to their team about what was actually possible and um and if you make that statement then everything flows downhill from that so the so so then the, the people that have got to execute it and do it they look at it and they go absolutely no chance of doing that mm-hmm. some people look at it and go but, but i've just made something inspiring to you but there's a whole bunch of people go up there, actually from an engineering perspective i don't know how you're going to do that mm-hmm. so then what happens is, is then there's organizations and systems get created to try and justify the truth ceiling um and so you've got another organization that's trying to prove that it can be done and another part of the organization is working frantically to try and make the date and then what happens is when people know that they can't make that date or that finite piece is they start fighting and arguing amongst themselves because they mm-hmm. then realise that the date can't be had so they start going into protect mode and all of a sudden it just downward spirals into absolute carnage <laughs> and not only did a bit of the journey not get done in a year none of the journey got done um, because somebody created a finite game and I think yes. transformation is one of those things that you know, gets labeled and particularly the buzzword now is digital transformation. It's kind of like, okay, fair enough. Um, and so, but for me, digital transformation and customer experience mm. is not a finite game.
1: No,
0: I, you're going to get to a point where we will have re We'll have done a whole bunch of things. We'll have changed the way we work. We'll be product led. We'll use more data. We'll do lots of different things like that. Then we'll get to that point and actually the customer might have changed. In fact, the customer will change. Mm. So you have to think. Then, well, what's the next bit to the customer experience? Right. Absolutely. So, so, so it's an infinite game, um, and I love, I love that book. So the the question to you then, because you've been involved
1: in some pretty big uh, projects and what have you, how do you sell the infinite game to kind of senior leadership? Because because that is kind of speaking to the truth and talking about how we create a system that creates keeps creating the success that we want in that particular context, as opposed to delivering an output over a period of
0: time. I think it's a balance. I don't think I've ever tried to sell The Infinite Game um, as such. It's probably a good idea, actually. Um, Maybe I should try and sell (laughs) it like that. There you go, there's your challenge. But, but, But I think it's a balance. And I think it's a balance in educating the leadership um, in, if I think about uh, my current boss, Helen Connolly, who's a great, who's a great leader, actually, in all of the things we've just talked about. Um, It's about articulating and explaining to the leadership. Sometimes what is quite complex in its nature Mm. and trying to break it down into its component parts about what we're actually trying to achieve and what, what it is we're trying to do. Um, so that there's an understanding of, okay, so we're going to try and change the processes, change the systems, change the way we do things, as an example. Um, And that has a, you know, that is a product. It's, you know, it has a go-live chunks of dates when we bring functionality online. Um, And actually trying to just present it in such a way where you say, look, here's what we're doing from a foundational perspective, which we'll get as the following value. Then what we'll do is we're gonna build more on it and then we'll do the next set of value. Mm. And actually trying to articulate it so that it isn't a monumentous date or occasion of, of what will go live when. So I was in a conversation with Helen this morning about a lot of things around what we're trying to do. And I was trying to articulate it in, okay, at this point, this is what value the customer will see. That's not the end point and the end journey, because at that point, we'll then start doing other things which then enhance the customer experience. And so it won't be that you get to that date and it's all done, right? Yeah, It's constantly evolving.
1: So coming now back to your kind of leadership and the work that you've done in the, in the large organizations or the organization you're in now, you know, you've know you worked some pretty large scale teams, You know, a lot of people. Um, any kind of tips that you have in in a in enabling those people to actually align, communicate better, and have those conversations for collaboration?
0: Yeah, I, so I've I've worked, as I say, with with some great coaches. Worked with a guy called Jim McNeish who does a lot of work on trust and collaboration. And what we what we what we've done uh, together, you know, thinking it through, is Jim came up with a a course around bringing my team and Jim and I have worked for years. So even teams in BP and now teams in New Look and uh, Jim has run some good training sessions to help people uh, understand the whole psychology of, and the, you know, tap more into their emotional intelligence around their own selves, self-awareness, and actually, allowing for better conversation. Um, and 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 Jim always, Jim's got a great phrase, which is, uh, you know, every every problem can be solved with a good conversation. I like it. It might not be an easy conversation, but it mm. can be solved with a good conversation. And so, I've worked with Jim over the last number of years to help get the team, get my teams, to be more high performing, high functional trust trust each other, collaborate with each other more um, and you know build on creating the right environment where there isn't um, there is more collaboration to solve problems rather than um, exploitation of blame around problems. And it's my job to basically, as we were saying earlier, create the right environment for folks to enjoy um, coming to work. And yes. um, doing, bringing the best selves every day, um, using their skills and, and enjoying themselves, and in creating that environment, that's about making sure that you are, you know, you, you know, you're part of the team. You, you know, you you've kind of understand the challenges that they're working through. You make sure that you've got their back. You've kind of uh, you creating an environment where, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but they'll do their best because everybody performs best when they're, they don't have stress and pressure and you know the things that bog you down
1: yes that's right um,
0: you know I, I, I your job as a leader is just to make sure you create that environment of you know how you behave and how you respond to challenges and problems how you behave and how you respond to successes and how you behave and you respond to being approachable and um, helping be part of the the answer rather than being the authority.
1: So Ed, unfortunately we're coming towards the closing arc of our time together. And I've got some really nice warm questions for you. Um, the first one actually is part of that closing arc is, um, any advice that you'd give to aspiring tech leaders? Because you've been on a wonderful journey yourself. Any kind of tips as to how you progress into positions maybe like yourself?
0: Uh, this guy actually, um, who, uh, again, told me great advice. Um, good thing about being old is, is you always have great advice over the years. <laughs> the guy, the guy who was very, was involved very much at the early stages of HBO and, uh, a guy called Larry Carlson. And he said, he said, the best two phrases that you can keep reminding yourself is I don't know. And I need help. Uh, Those no. two phrases are okay. Yes. Um, the, the trick is, is to make sure you know who to go to to help you who might know. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah,
1: I think that's a really good point. I think leadership is about being able to be vulnerable in that way, to, to ask for help. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a wonderful thing to see. And it actually enables a lot of people in the organisation, you know, to to step up and go, oh, yeah, I can help you with that. So yeah. it, it has that kind of win-win. Um, okay. and, on, and on your journey, have there been any books or poems or films or or, or plays, or feel, you know, that have kind of inspired you in your new <laughs>
0: Um So I, I kind of, so Good to Great was a fantastic book, got very early on, um, I think Ronnie gave me that in 2007, or told me to read that, um, which was great, fantastic, um, Legacy, which was the book about the All Blacks and how, how they operate, and I think they've got some great leadership principles in there the one I love the most is is that the most senior guys clean the shed wow um, and it's an honour to clean the shed which is you leave the dressing room in the shade the, st- the better than you found it a and it's only the senior guys in the team that get to do that and it's you know an aspiring place to be mm. so Legacy is a great book as well I quite enjoyed um, Matthew McConaughey's book Green Lights oh. um I thought that was was good. And I I have a book that I read every day called The Daily Stoic. Oh, I love it. Which is a book of the writings. I actually read The Emperor's Handbook, which is Marcus Aurelius's, kind of just before he was dying, he kind of wrote down all of his thoughts about his life. And um, that then got me to uh, read a bit about Epictetus and some of those other guys. Um, And so there is a book called The Daily Stoic, which has a reading every day which kind of just gives you a wee bit of perspective in, in terms of life. Yes. Um, and it and it's one of those books, actually, when you get to, the, it's a book you're reading every day for the year, but it's funny when you get to January the 1st again, you don't usually remember what it was you read on January the 1st again, and it means something completely different. Yes. So that's good as well. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I love I love all the Star Wars movies and the, um the star trek movies the latest ones and uh, the matrix was um, yes. a movie for me as a Cobol programmer back in the day i watched i remember watching the matrix about six or seven times on a flight to australia because there was oh. that many things in it that was just about my life as a 22 23 year old cool. in terms of programming um and then i was thinking uh when i saw when you'd give me a heads up on that i was watching something the other night um which i've watched before <laughs> Uh, which was John Wick, which, ah, yes. uh, which um, you know, why did I why did I mention that? John Wick had a very strong purpose. They killed his dog, mm. <laughs> so yes, in terms of his passion and his purpose was very singular <clears throat> around what that was about. And so I guess, <clears throat> you know, having a a strong purpose and a strong passion, um, yeah. About how you want to do things is, is very important.
1: I, I think that's actually right. Like, and, and that film, he drove that purpose home well and short. You know? <laughs> it's, quite, uh, it's
0: quite a violent film, but yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. So, thank you for sharing those. That's brilliant. So now I'm going to offer you a a wish from the tech genie, Ed. Okay, if I could, if you could make a wish on something in your leadership in your industry, what would you wish for?
0: I wish we could start talking about tech in real terms rather than buzzwords and tech speak because I think business leaders would we would all benefit from it and it would allow us to get behind some of the challenges of making it happen and I think that the buzzword I would love the buzzwords to disappear
1: I love it I'm going to make that come true, okay? Watch, your, watch are the spaces as they all disappear, okay? Good.
0: Good. All
1: right. And, and as we hit the final full stop of the podcast, what's your key takeaway for our tech leader audience out there?
0: I just think enjoy, enjoy it. Um, enjoy doing what you do. It's a fantastic industry to be in because it's, it changes every day. There's so many evolving things um and you know always be always always explore new ideas never be afraid to change accept Mm. and change every day um and you know always create a space for your people that doesn't involve stress
1: love it excellent a great note to finish on thank you ed for your time it's been wonderful having you on cto confession sir
0: fantastic thanks very much
1: well, that was a wonderful conversation with Ed. I really like his style of leadership. I can see how people thrive in his charge. As mentioned in the intro, there are some great takeaways. On reflection, I particularly liked as a leader, we're not in charge of people. We have people in our charge. So thank you again, Ed. I love how you roll as a leader. I look forward to hearing about the omni-channel experience and how that works out. Good luck to you to your teams, and of course, New Look for creating a great, great customer experience. I look forward to hearing all about that experience in store with my daughter, who loves your brand, by the way. Speak again, Ed. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Lab services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.